Since Easter, we have been on an adventure, a series of sermons taken from the book of Nehemiah, building for the future. This has truly been, for me, an exciting uh, time of kind of thinking about what happened with Nehemiah and how that parallels our own day and time. And today we're going to continue that. Last week we took a little break as the, our youth uh, participated in our service and Brandon preached. Didn't he do a good job? Didn't he do a good job last week? Don't you appreciate Brandon? I don't know where he went. I think he may have just disappeared. Maybe he was raptured away or something. So, oh, there he is way back in the back, way back in the back. But today I want to read from uh, out of Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. This, of course, is in the middle of the story. Uh, Nehemiah has, uh, has returned to Jerusalem. He has surveyed and found that the walls are in horrible shape. They had been destroyed and, uh, by the Babylonians more than a century earlier. They had never been rebuilt. He had surveyed to see the condition and situation. And now he's beginning to have a conversation with the leadership in Jerusalem. And this is where we find these words beginning in verse 18. Nehemiah speaking. I told them that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me and also the words that the king had spoken to me. Then they said, Let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. But Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They mocked and ridiculed us, saying, what is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success, and we his servants are going to start building. But you have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. Let us pray. Father, today we pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, we really need to hear from you. And Lord, we pray that not only would you speak through this message and through your word, but Lord, that you would sow seeds deep within us, that when we find times of opposition, trouble, and challenge, that you would call to memory the great lessons that you've placed here in your word. For we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in the eighth grade, uh, I attempted to play basketball for our middle school team. Now, if you just look at my stature, you can tell immediately that I am not exactly designed to play basketball. On top of that, when I was in the eighth grade, I wasn't very quick, and I couldn't shoot the basketball worth a lick. So I really made a great basketball player, right? But I was kind of disappointed in playing because I wasn't seeing much time on the court. Well, as only a mother could do, my mother noticed that there was something wrong with her boy, and she finally got me to talk about it. And I told her that I felt I wasn't getting my share of playing time for the team. Well, unknown to me at that time, my mother contacted the head coach, now, I'm not sure what my warrior mom said. I'm not sure what was in that communication. But I do know this, that after she went to battle for her son, I got more playing time on the court. Now, maybe you had a mother like mine who was a warrior on your behalf and was there for you. You know, there are times in our lives when we need somebody to fight for us, and there's sometimes we've got to fight. Here in the story of Nehemiah, 
we begin to find that, that there are times in our lives where we, even as believers, face opposition. You know, oftentimes in our lives when we feel God has called us to do something, when God is at work in our lives, we have this imagination that, that, that everything's going to go smoothly. If God is in it, it's going to work out. If God is in it, everything's going to be okay. If God is in it, things are going to flow smoothly. But as we launch into those adventures, we oftentimes find that opposition comes. Things don't always go as we expect them to go. Challenges arise, and often, quite frankly, we are surprised by that opposition. Now, really, we shouldn't be surprised because Jesus gave us warning. He said that in this world, you're going to have opposition. In this world, you're going to have persecution. But he went on to say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the story of Nehemiah, we find that here is this man of God who has set out to do this great mission given to him by God. People have rallied around him and they're ready to begin work on rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And then it happens. Opposition comes. I think this morning we can listen to the story of Nehemiah and find in that story some things that will help us as we begin rebuilding from the pandemic as a church and begin to build toward the future. God has something really great out there in store for us. God has something really great ahead. But as we go toward those things, there will be challenges. There will be opposition. There will be difficulties that arise as we move forward. Even as individuals, as we attempt to live out the life that God has called us to live, as we attempt to live for Jesus, as we attempt to love our neighbors, we too, as individuals, will face opposition. So let's listen a little bit to the story. Listen to the story of Nehemiah and see if we can find ways that we can be victorious over our opposition. In the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah found himself in a world where not everyone was in favor of what he was attempting to do. An opposition came at him from various sources. Now, many of the people in Jerusalem had rallied around him and said, yes, let's start rebuilding the walls. But there were other forces that worked their way against Nehemiah. And it's interesting that those forces were not necessarily people that were sworn enemies of the Jews... The opposition that Nehemiah faced were people that had a closeness to the Jews of Jerusalem. There was an alliance that had been formed between three key parties. One was Sanballat, who was probably the, uh, the, the governor of Samaria. Samaria was a, a territory just north of Jerusalem. If you know a little bit about your biblical history, you'll know that the people in Samaria had been invaded and the Jews had lived there. They had been made, invaded years before by Assyria and there had been this influx of foreigners and the people had intermingled. And there had always been kind of this tension but also relationship between the Jews of Jerusalem and the residents of Samaria. Also, there was this, this guy who was probably a part of Sambalat's government whose who, name was Tobiah, who was also allied together with his, his, his governor. 
And then there was this fellow by the name of Geshem who in all likelihood was a chieftain among the Edomites. And the Edomites were uh, descendants of Abraham. If you kind of follow what I'm saying, you see that there's this connection between Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem in relationship to the Jews in Jerusalem. Now, in the story, I really want to know what motivated this trio to be so opposed to the Jews rebuilding the walls. Perhaps they were just really jealous. Perhaps they were jealous because here this group of people were rallying together to do something for their hometown. Maybe they were afraid that if the Jews did this project and were successful, that would mean they would gain more power and the power of this trio would be reduced. Maybe they were fearful that if the Jews were successful in doing what they would do, that the Persian government, which was over the empire at that time, might come in and descend upon the territory and do havoc to all the people and residents all around. But unfortunately in the story, unfortunately in the book of Nehemiah, we're not given why they were motivated to oppose Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls. And you know, that's oftentimes the case. In our own lives, when we face opposition by people, in the church when we face opposition, we oftentimes don't know why people oppose. I could go on for a long period of time and I could call Pastor Randy and I could call Pastor Amanda here to the front and we could just share war stories about uh, situations that we've encountered, war stories about situations colleagues we know have encountered, churches have encountered, uh, of, of, of facing opposition in the midst of attempting to do God's work. Whether it is uh, you know, doing some kind of ministry that we really feel strongly that God has called us to do, whether it's building a building to house ministry that God is involved in, whether it is paying off debt or whatever it might be. There's these moments, these times in our lives when we face opposition, and quite frankly, it's oftentimes difficult to know what motivates people in those situations. In this story, we find that Nehemiah not only faced opposition from these three characters who had allied themselves together, but he also faced some opposition that was more internal in nature. As a matter of fact, it probably was more dangerous in nature to Nehemiah, the people of Jerusalem, and to the mission God had given them even than these opposing allies. You see, there was an internal matter where something was happening that was taking the people of Jerusalem out of alignment with God's will for their lives and how God wanted them to relate to each other. You see, during the days of Nehemiah, things were really difficult for the people of Jerusalem. They had very little. Many people struggled just to survive. And in that day, many of those who were struggling found that they needed to find resources somewhere so that it would enable them to survive and to pay their taxes. 
You know, whether things are going well or things are going difficult, you always got to pay your taxes, right? I mean, life has never changed. It's always been the same throughout human history. You always got to pay your taxes. And so these folks who were struggling went and borrowed money from other Jews in the area who had some resources. And those Jews who were, borrowing, who were lending funds were charging high interest rates on those who needed to borrow money. They were taking, these lenders were taking advantage of the most vulnerable people in the area. That was threatening to undo the very work of God in that community. You know, the greatest threat that we oftentimes face in doing the work of God isn't always what's going on from someone or something or some challenge on the outside. Oftentimes it's our own spiritual health that can be a great enemy. That's why it's so important for us to keep our lives aligned with Jesus. To be faithful in our practice of spiritual exercises that help keep us aligned. That keep us in love with Jesus and in love with one another. It is so very critical. Well, back to this trio of people. This trio that had allied themselves against Jerusalem tried several different tactics in order to unrail the project of rebuilding the walls. The first thing they tried is what you heard of just a moment ago, is they began to ridicule Nehemiah and those attempting to do this project. They said, what you're doing, you're rebelling against the emperor. Later, as the project had begun, they said, oh, what you're doing, it's not going to hold up. If a little fox came up and brushed its tail up against the wall, the wall would fall down. Have you ever been ridiculed? Has anyone ever made fun of you? It's not fun, is it? I mean, it, 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 it can hurt deeply. Fortunately for Nehemiah and the Jewish community, they were not unraveled by the ridicule. The next tactic that was tried by this alliance was that they plotted to attack Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem, as you can imagine, was in a very vulnerable state. As a city, it had no walls for protection. And even the walls that existed and the walls were being rebuilt, the people were focusing on the building. And so they were ripe for attack. Fortunately, the Jewish leadership learned what was being planned and actions were taken to, th to thwart those efforts. Nehemiah had all the people who were working to wear their weapons when they worked on the wall. But as they would rotate people, you know, half the people would be working and half the people would be off, the people that were off would station themselves as guards along their, their walls in order to alert if an attack were coming. You know, seldom in our world today do we find that, uh, that, that we face physical attack, but there, there are times that people uh, 
come against us and want to really uh, tear down what God is doing among us. I, I, I know of a small church that uh, things are really going well in that church. That church was growing and growing in a significant way and, and they were facing the pressures that so many uh, congregations do when they're growing. Their facilities just weren't big enough and so the church elected to expand their facilities. Now the church didn't have a lot of... Uh, money to do everything but they had a lot of people who were energetic and enthusiastic and willing to do and to offer their gifts and skills and so the people were banding together to do the construction well the day that church broke ground by the way the person doing the work was a, a member of the church and volunteering his time and equipment to do so a disgruntled member of that congregation went to the district superintendent and complained, said, everything hasn't been done the appropriate way. You need to stop this project now. Fortunately, the district superintendent had a great deal of wisdom, contacted the pastor, and everything was in order, and they continued the project. The third way that these allies attempted to stop the project was that they developed a very diabolical plot. They plotted to assassinate Nehemiah, the leader of the project. You see, they knew what so many others know, what even were told in the Bible, that if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. If you get rid of the leader, then the project's going to fall apart. And on two occasions, they attempted to lure Nehemiah into a trap. Fortunately, he was wise enough not to fall victim to their plots. You know, in our world in which we live, people who attempt to do great things and people who lead in great projects oftentimes come under attack by others. Now again, it's not so much a physical kind of attack and somebody's going to physically try to assassinate. But we live in a world where people assassinate people's character. We're living kind of in this uh, cancel culture, and, and, and these kind of assaults are quite common. And it's true not only out there beyond these walls and what people attempt to do, but it's also true within the context of the church. That's why it's so important that you shelter, that you cover your pastors, your leadership of your church with prayer. It's so very important. Today, I think one of the greatest dangers that we face in trying to do anything for Jesus is what is called the enemy of distraction. You know, in many ways, Nehemiah faced this because all these various uh, assaults on him distracted him or were attempts to distract him from his work. But we live in an age of constant distraction. Uh, I, I love this device, I really do. I, I enjoy it, I, 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 I carry it with me. But you know, I sometimes find this the most distracting thing in the whole wide world. Uh, you know, I, I want to look something up. I want to Google some kind of information. Uh, I, I'm kind of a geek that I like, you know, bits of trivia. And I'll find myself starting to Google, and I'll find myself 
seeing a, a picture or you know an icon, I'll strike on that, and then I'll forget what I'm Googling to begin with. You know, y'all have that problem? Y'all don't do that, do you? I mean, y'all don't struggle with that. And particularly if you're much younger than I am, you don't have that problem. But we live in an age of distraction. An age of distraction. And it's so difficult to remain focused on what God calls us to do. And as a church, there's so many things that tug at us in so many different directions. It's hard to remain focused. Now, we could go on talking about lots of other kinds of assault and opposition that we face as a church and as individuals. But we need to know, how do we overcome these opponents? How do we keep distraction? How do we keep character assassination? How do we keep the opposition from winning and distracting us to the point that we're derailed from going where God wants us to go. Well, Nehemiah's story shows us two very important keys. You see, Nehemiah and the Jewish leadership kept focus. Focus is so very important. First of all, they focused on God. Nehemiah continued to remember who his God was. When he responded to the unholy trinity, he says, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success. He focused on God, and then he focused on the mission God had given him. In your life, you've got to stay focused on Jesus. Did you hear me? You've got to stay focused on Jesus. You've got to be focused on what He calls you to do. As a church, we must remain focused on Jesus. As we launch into our future, as we rebuild from the post-pandemic, we've got to stay focused on Jesus. And we've got to realize that only God can give us success. It's not because... There's, you have in a church some great charismatic leader or you have super-duper staff or you have amazing late leadership that will bring the victory. Now, we've got extraordinary people that are here, but in many ways, even though we're extraordinary, we're rather ordinary. Our victory comes because God is with us and God has called us to a great mission. I believe that God wants Udawa United Methodist Church to be successful in rebuilding what has been torn down by COVID and in building for the future. I believe God wants this church to be stronger than it's ever been before. He wants us to be a community that truly is making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the whole world. God wants us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. God wants us to be a beacon on the side of the interstate that points people to Jesus. And God is calling us to a great work in building for the future. But it's only God 
who can give us success. During this adventure for Nehemiah, he was committed to prayer. Now, a few weeks ago, I talked about the importance of prayer and asked you all to be praying for our church during this season as we were doing this study. But that season of prayer needs to never end because prayer becomes our key to success. In in the book of Nehemiah, it says, So we prayed to God and set our guard for protection against them night and day. Nehemiah and the people were committed to pray. We can never have success without a commitment to and the exercise of prayer. We must be a people who pray. You see, prayer connects us with God. Prayer becomes this channel through which God's grace can flow into our lives and out into our church and out into our community and world. Prayer makes the difference. As we move forward, know this. God is with us. God has called us to a great work. And let us be a people who are committed to pray. Will you now join me as we as a congregation here in person and online spend some time praying to God. Let us pray. Father, today we thank you that you have called us to the great mission of rebuilding and building for the future. Lord, our world needs Jesus today as much or more than ever before. There are a lot of folks who are really hurting. Lord, a lot of important institutions in our world are in in desperate need. And people really need Jesus. And Lord, I believe that this community and the community around the world needs Udawa United Methodist Church. And Father, now we pray that you would give us success. Be in us, and Lord, be in all that we do, that we might do it for your sake and for your glory. And Lord, now fill us afresh with your Spirit, Lord, that we might do the work that is set before us. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen.